0: back.
1: Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Just got off the line with a guy I met down in the Sertao in Brazil about this time a year ago, a little later, uh, Dominique Rohr, who uh, had a paragliding school for a long time in Zurich and uh, sold that recently and is just enjoying the fruits of that labor and traveling around and kite surfing and flying and learning acro. Uh, he's been flying for 21 years. And, uh, yeah, we just had a really great conversation about uh, all of that and his school and his scariest flight and his most memorable flights. There are a lot of those. He's traveled all over the world, done some pretty amazing things. And, uh, yeah, I just I really clicked with him when I was down in, in Brazil last year. thought it would be really fun to have him on the show. He listens to the show all the time and recently reached out. And I was like, hey, let's have a chat. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was super fun. But we talk about... Uh, a lot of things we always talk about on this show, but kind of a, a different perspective. So safety and risk and uh, coming back from fear injuries, because he had a little bit of scary incident about 11 years ago. But uh, yeah, you can tell in his voice, just super passionate about flying. Um, recently spent a bunch of time in Organia with uh, learning acro, which is something I was just recently doing up here in Oregon. So talk a little bit about that, but a lot of cool lessons here, really fun conversation. I think you're gonna laugh out loud in a few places in this one. So yeah, without further delay, uh, please enjoy this conversation with Dominique Groner. Dominique, so awesome to have you on the show. Uh, we met down in a pool in uh, in Quixada and doing some flying <laughs> together in Brazil about this time last year, a little bit later, I guess that was in November. But uh, really cool to catch up with you. And uh, you've been doing a lot of traveling since then. And I want to hear about that. But I thought we started off a little bit differently than I have than in any of the other shows. A lot of people have been asking for uh, stories and that kind of thing. And I thought I might ask you first, the scariest experience, you've ever had under a wing
0: oh man Gavin <laughs> I've been flying for well first <laughs> thanks for having me on the show eh? it's, um, I was pretty surprised when you asked me I'm, I'm, I'm not a famous pilot I'm just I've been flying for quite a while and done a few things my scariest moment Gavin I've been flying for 21 years I think I've had quite a few probably one of the scariest ones it's not nice to talk always about injuries, but probably when I when I broke my back, well, about eleven years years ago, crashing with my wing. Um, yeah, must have been the most scary scary flight, most likely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, yeah, you you can't leave us on that note. You got to give us the details. How, how did it? What what happened? What what led up to it? What were you know? Usually, that kind of thing is a series of small mistakes and then one big one. Is that yeah, is that how exactly. that one went?
0: You know, I, I actually already that's that's the really painful thing. I, I already was a, ba- uh, a paragliding instructor back then, and I did about everything I always not to do. It was, as you said, a series of of of, of bad things I I decided to do. I was gonna do a. a uh, Cross country flight in in Saint Moritz in Engadin, launching from Corvatsch, it's a pretty high mountain, three and a half thousand meters. I think you passed there on the exalt. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I know. Well. Right? Yeah. In my in my eyes, it's probably the most beautiful valley at tou- all, completely in, in in Switzerland with all those lakes. And I, I knew that, I know the takeoff because I used to live up there for two two years. And since it's on a glacier, I knew it must have changed. Uh, I wanted to go up there the day before, just to check out the launch, have a short flight, and and go rest in the valley. I went up there, I I was already half, I didn't feel well, I was half sick, you know, maybe a little fever, which was already the first mistake. I knew uh, the day was thunderstormy, there were thunderstorms approaching from the west, second mistake. I had to walk a little bit up to, to, to take off, which took me maybe half an hour, and then I decided, you know, I, weather was deteriorating and, and I thought, man, I've been flying for over 10 years and it's always been fine, with my, may as well this time. Hmm. So prepared, launched, flew over the valley, and then I noticed it's, it's not good because over the valley. I, Remember, I was launching on three and a half thousand meters, and over the valley it was still rising. was just going up over the lakes, pretty heavy. And yeah, I, I knew time is time is playing against me. I did spirals over the lake, and I saw them kite surfing down there with Oof. wind from the south. And further down, I was zero penetration but towards west so the complete different different direction it was still going up so it had to spiral and i was already thinking then well what's what, what's the better place to to go into lake or 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 paddock um mm-hmm. and you know how it is i mean flying on these altitudes at big boots big gloves lots of clothes the lake is really cold. The, re- the lake's really cold, like 12 degrees all year or in, in that time of the year. So I decided, whatever happens, I'm not going into the lake. So I went over the over the, the grassy area. Um, then it all started. I knew I have wind from the south further down, and strong wind from the west, and there's got to be a strong wind shear. Then it all happened, and my wing just just collapsed and went into deep stall every now and then. Now and then. Um, and it was over that grassy spot, still a couple of hundred meters high and it was going up and down and I thought of, should I throw reserve? Should I not? Because I I was really scared of when I throw the reserve, that's, that's it. I can just wait, you know, wait and see what happens. And with the thunderstorm approaching and lifting air and I I was not too keen to throw the reserve too early and then not knowing what happens then. So... About maybe 300 meters above ground, I, I had control of the wing, and I thought, well, now I have got it. I can I can land that wing, and uh, it looked pretty good until I was about I don't know 100. It's hard to say 150 meter, 100 or 50 meters above ground, and again it went into it's like a deep stall. You know, it must have been just a, a, a turbulence, like the wind changing direction 180 degrees and coming from behind, so it's just sliding back, deep stallish, and now remember thinking, well, reserve or no reserve. I decided not to throw the reserve because I was scared to throw the reserve. And in that time, I don't have to break handles, and my my glider catches air and shoots. I'm, I'm stuffed, you know. I'm mm. that's going to be really bad. And I decided just to kind of keep my wing overhead, and yeah, I looked down and already knew it's it's a bit too fast. You know, it's it's not it's not that fast. It's a free fall, but it's Fast and first landed on my feet and rolled up, rolled up over my, my bum and s- still too hard and, yeah, had two two vertebrae, um, yeah, broken. But just uh, I was really lucky. It was just a compression fracture. I didn't have, even have to operate, and I was really surprised when the guys at the hospital told me two days later I should get up. <laughs> really? <laughs> but it was still really painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. yeah, said, uh, get up and just take it easy for 3 3 months and don't lift just don't do anything and but yeah, yeah. I was surprised I was really really lucky so yeah I did so many things wrong that day you know it was that was probably the most painful thing of 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 it all
1: yeah Super educational, not, I mean, I guess not, the... Not,
0: you know, not being an unexperienced pilot, you, I mean, you should really know better, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's always twenty twenty hindsight, you know. I mean, how many times have we yeah. all flown in those kind of conditions? And, you know, th- then sometimes yeah, you, know, exactly. you, you get lucky and you're yeah. like, ah, you know, I sorted it out.
0: That was the You, know, you ask me how you've had scary accidents. If, I, I'd have to think uh, there would probably yeah, many, many. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I was I was training um, with uh, Aaron Duragati and, and Eric Reinfeld. Um, who else? There was somebody else with us then. I can't remember. Um, just a couple of weeks before the 2015 X Alps, and we were we were right in that zone. The next valley over to the east, uh, right on the right on the border, uh, switching. So you go over from the Brenta yeah. that that year. You go we went from the Brenta over that pass. I can't remember it. And then there's a lake. The, and There's another yeah, yeah, pass. Yeah, Pavelina, it's, the bit. Yeah. And the Bernina Pass. The Bernina pass. You, you went the, up to. Exactly. The Bernina the it's where it's where then, then
0: Bernina pass, yeah. it's
1: where Michael Vichy threw his reserve that that year actually, <laughs> exactly. actually yeah. in the yeah. race. Yeah. It's a really dicey, dicey Into spot. And we um the three of us and, and I think Andre Prashaska was there. It was Aaron's supporter, who's a really, really, you know, epic acropilot, very good cross-country yeah. pilot. And um we, we hiked up to hopefully fly, and it, when we got up to launch, it was just really wrong you know it was dumping into the valley and it was just nasty and it was just a training day you know so i didn't yeah. see any point and i, I just walked down and, and eric and, and aaron both flew um they both had quite scary flights you know and um and they just flew down to the valley it was a five-minute flight it was no big deal It was basically yeah. basically just to not walk um but it was it was yeah. interesting you know like watching that there was this um weird. I've been quite a student of, of avalanche safety in the last few years because I do a lot of backcountry skiing and they talk about, you know, the heuristic decision making process where we make decisions that that aren't logical and and why we do it. You know, we have we have all the information and yet we still make an emotional decision. Um, and yeah, that was yeah, one of them yeah. where there was surprisingly, uh, there was a lot of um, peer pressure on me, not from them. No one was suggesting that I fly. It was clearly not very flyable and not good. And we weren't really gaining anything. You know, we'd already done the hike. Um, and yeah. uh, and those guys had these really scary flights. And I thought, well, God, if I'm going to be in the X-Alps, I need to be able to do stuff like that. But I was like, yeah, but, you know, the, the penalty points here are super high. And it sounded like for you yeah, that yeah. day, they were also super high. Like you weren't really – gonna gain much by flying that day but you still we still fly I and mean, we do it all the time
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's it's really hard to distinguish in between what we like to believe conditions are and what they actually are <laughs> yeah exactly. in that, well in that case I actually i actually knew it was bad but i was just kind of convinced because it always went well during 10 years I thought that day, yeah, it's got to be another day. It's a bit dodgy, but, but it'll be all right. You know, somehow it'll be all right. That's just not the way, the way to think when you play in the sky. Yeah.
1: When you, when you look back on that, I mean, obviously the, the first bad choice was to fly. But let, let's assume you got to live that day over and you still chose to fly. What would you do differently? Would you land in the lake?
0: <sighs> um. In the aftermath, I should have thrown the reserve when still more than 100 meters.
1: Really? Even in that kind of wind?
0: Probably I I should have. have. I've had
1: had a few instances like that, too. I I had a a very similar thing happen to me in the Rhone. I was trying to do the, the, uh, you know, the classic Fiche FAI triangle where you go down to, uh, yeah. you know, and then up to Zermatt and then home. And I was, I was up in yeah. the Zermatt area where this huge cell was dropping out over Zurich and I should have just top landed. It would have been fine, but I tried to yeah. get back to the Rhone. And when I got there, the ghost, gust front was coming down from the Grimsel and blah, blah, blah. It was just oh, scary yeah. as hell. Yeah. But, um yeah. you know, I, I thought the same thing as, as I was coming down to the ground. I mean, I had plenty of backstop. I was over a huge field, but man, it was honking. It was really windy, yeah. and uh, and it was one of these things yeah. where half the time my wing my wing was totally out of control. You know, so I mean, I was I was it was kind of yeah. like God, this is like fifty fifty here. <laughs> uh, and should I throw yeah. my reserve? And I didn't, and I got lucky. You know, I I ended up just landing right on my feet, and it was fine. But but um, I was nervous to throw my reserve because that kind of wind. I mean, you just then you're really out of control. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah.
1: And then you're no, at the whim of the power lines <laughs> and the houses and all the other stuff and
0: exactly like- once I mean once you know you throw one a normal reserve, even even in these conditions it may even be a Rogallo, you know, there's not much yeah. you're doing in a regalo when it's blowing that hard Yeah, and then kind you got to deal
1: with your wing if you don't, I, I, yeah.
0: I'm
1: pretty convinced, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Cody, is has written up quite a bit about this, I think if you fly with a regalo on XC kit you really got to have a cutaway you know, you, you've really got to be able to yeah. ditch your main, if you throw low, if you throw high, no big deal, you'll be able to, you know, get your, your main yeah. wing disabled with, um, but if it's yeah. if it's enabled, they're they're going to downplane, and I think you're going to hit just as hard as you hit.
0: Uh, hey man, you know I I, I was just um in, in Organia yeah? and first time in my life being being a little bit of a, an acro pilot or trying to be at least, and everyone there, all the good pilots now have cutaway systems, and yep. and. Yeah. I really wonder they have a, the the Ava cutaway system now has a has a, a base system and mm-hmm. two additional whatever you put in you know normal normal reserves mm-hmm. but even for for ambitious cross country flying seriously I think the future in my eyes will be will be cutaway systems totally it's just such but- a perfect way of getting off your glider and It works so quickly every time I saw those guys going down on their cutaways I was just like this is this is
1: perfect. No, it's
0: twenty three meters and you fly, you fly away and everything is in perfect order. Yeah. How how nice is that? And I I don't know why why this hasn't come over to, to cross country harnesses yet i think yeah no it's it's
1: it's definitely the future it's definitely coming i think it's um you know i think the problem still now if if you're in this hike and fly mode it's the weight issue but i do know that not many but there are some comp pilots because we don't care about weight when we're flying comps that that have that are doing that that are flying with 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 cutaways and um yeah it's it's mandatory. Uh, I think that's, that's just definitely the future. I mean, we, we have to keep making this sport safer and that's, you know, that's, you know, the Acro guys are proving that it works, you know, and, and, um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, so tell me about your, okay, before we get to your Acro stuff, uh, you know, we started on this kind of scary note. Let's, let's, let's flip the switch. Uh, tell me like your when you think back to, you said 21 years of flight, I think, um, what's the, what's the flight that most stands out in your mind?
0: Oh, I knew you were going to ask that question <laughs> and I thought about it. <laughs> I didn't come to a flight. It's it's for me, it's flying has so much diversity and I've had epic moments, you know, doing hundreds of Wagga, maybe at Dundipila or some mm. other soaring. It, nah, it's got to be a, a dune spot, you know, sand is just perfect. It's so nice. It It may have been... Top landing on on, on a volcano in, in Tanzania with a friend, and then landing down in the valley in between giraffes, canoes, and and, and, and all these these wild animals. Or
1: wow.
0: might have been what what I'm really into is now uh, the the cross country flights up up in Brazil. I mean, it's far from you're not the only person up there, but I still right now it's just I think it's such a nice thing. a eh? flying over over in the northeastern part of brazil it's i think it's epic flying uh, flying in switzerland i've had so many nice flights i, I t- really can't break it down to one flight and it's also not just the flying for me paragliding is so much more than just flying so for me most of it is combined with with traveling and meeting people getting to know cultures and and, and seeing the world It's 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 more than just a flight I, uh, mm. so so many beautiful flights i can't break it down to one for for sure i uh, it's, it's it's not
1: possible it's hard to do that isn't it it's like it kind of whatever pops in your mind i was just i was just over flying in in macedonia um at the at the nordic open and uh ronnie i I don't know if I can pronounce his last name. Famous Norwegian guy that takes groups down to to Mexico every year. And we were at the Menarca years ago. I don't remember why, five, six, seven years ago. I remember I can kind of place it because I was on an Ice Peak Six. So it must have been like 2011, maybe 2012, somewhere in there. And uh, the start of the race, it was like day two, day three, doesn't matter. And the start of the race um, was, it was just this huge cloud was over uh, you know like the crazy thermal mesa and and the start was was right yeah. there so you you couldn't go you couldn't actually start the race without going into the cloud so you couldn't really start <laughs> and uh and so there was about and it was it had been a really weird day like half the field had already bombed out you know it was it was just a it was a strange day and then this cloud just kind of like it was right at the treetops way vertical went all the way up and so there was about eight of us just surfing the side of this cloud just totally we didn't give a shit about the race. We weren't even trying to get around <laughs> it or get to the start or, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and Ronnie took all these pictures that he later gave to me. And, uh, you know, without the pictures, I would have forgotten about it probably, but it was just this like magical moment where you're, you're in a comp, nobody cares. And, uh, and then you've got this wall of white that just went up, you know, thousands and thousands of feet yeah, next yeah, to your glider yeah. is oh, magnificent kind of flying in and out of the wispies. But we have a lot of these moments under a wing, I guess.
0: Yeah, I actually did the Monarca once. It wasn't called Monarca back then. In 2000, they called it the Copa Milenio, the Millenniums Cup. Okay. Yeah, in 2000, I was traveling down from Mexico. Actually, I wasn't traveling. I just kind of thought I'm going to South America. I left everything behind in Switzerland. I was 21, really bored, and thought I may just end up somewhere in South, Africa, uh, South America and traveled down from Mexico to Ecuador took me one and a half years. <laughs> wow, with my what a pilot. cool adventure. That was really fun, though. <laughs> yeah. All the little shit I did there, just, I was like, I didn't know anything about flying back then. And I had so many cool little stories, you know, getting picked up by the army in Colombia because I flew straight into guerrilla country and landed there somewhere, and they had an encounter there before, and they escorted me out down to the valley there, or pff, so many <laughs> uh, so many little crazy <laughs> things eh? living in colombia anyways was i lived there for three three months i already had a job as as Eng- english teacher actually really <laughs> back then they took anyone to be an english teacher eh? uh, uh, so i uh, you ended got... up in Vaya like in the third week and there was this cop 30 yeah, i might as well participate and i think there were I think there were, uh, Josh Cohn may have been there. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know him, but just, you know, listening to your podcast, all these names, and I thought, yeah. like, maybe Eric Reed, if I'm not totally probably. mistaken. Of yeah, course, probably. Yeah, you probably. Know, Miguel and, um, yeah. Well, some name. Ah, Chris Muller, but yeah, you know Chris Muller, but he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He, he died a couple of years ago. Yeah, a Canadian of pilot. Yeah. He won, of course. Yeah.
1: Did he? Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, that was back in his era for sure. Yeah, 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 he 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 ripped out comps for sure. Well, yeah. that's it that's interesting. So why why haven't you done comps all these years?
0: Um you know I did like in Switzerland we have this junior challenge it was called back then and maybe now it's called newcomer's challenge. Yeah. Like young young pilots kind of being that that's the entry to comp flying by the by the Swiss league. Um I did that I didn't even do too bad for I really didn't have much experience back then um, I was together in the group with like Stefan Wies and then um, Peter Neunschwan like you know pilot. as pilots yeah. Um, yeah I think I was too young I, I I'm and I was born in Zurich in the city and I just thought spending my weekends somewhere lonely with old men just didn't <laughs> wasn't so appealing back then (laughs) 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 no really because i thought that's maybe yeah one thing i kind of regret i probably should have done it but yeah there was there were so many other things as well i wanted to do you know not not
1: not (laughs) only
0: now i would do it
1: (laughs) yeah totally totally
0: (laughs) yeah just when you asked me to 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 have this talk i looked at pictures from many years ago and there's so many so many moments I which are nice nice to remember and but probably the nice I can tell you them for me the most interesting more more most rewarding way of flying I think is for me flying in places which at least I don't know at all or where which give me the feeling I'm actually exploring something I may I may be the first one mm. flying there and really exploring a country and landing in, in places where I've never been before where I don't know the language not the people it's the whole adventure it's such such a nice thing yeah, well, maybe it comes to my mind because it's not so long ago but I no, it wasn't a Big cross-country flight was maybe, or not another not record flight, but uh, I think 150 in the Uzambara mountains in, in Tanzania. And it's actually like a high plateau. You, you, know, you wake up on, in the morning on that high plateau. It, it comes up a couple of hundred meters from, from, from the plains. Pretty straight, and it's flat on top. And uh, there's this tribe living living on the top. And in the morning, it's just all in fog and, and it's very humid. You've got these little creeks and waterfalls and, and the women going for water in the morning. They all have these very colorful dresses. And we were looking for a launch and we drove to the edge of that, that, that table mountain sort of thing. And, and we looked down over the edge and just it was all covered in, 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 in fog in the morning. Hmm. And it, it, we were just like on, on an island in, in in that fog, and we were waiting to for for the clouds to rise, and then took off took off there, which was actually completely lee side, but it was fine because it was really in the lee side. We and we we knew we have to fly out off the lee side to to the side because we we wanted to drive along along some sort of road because we we really didn't didn't know anything. There were no there probably were roads, but we just didn't know. To fly uh, along that, that, that track, we, we had to fly out of, of, of the lee side and then downwind and it just, yeah, it, it felt like just this, discovering Tanzania from, from above where most likely no one has flown that direction ever, ever before and landing in small villages. That kind of flying, I mean, that's just for me, that's the most, most, most fascinating about, about our
1: sport definitely yeah. were, were you guys were you guys in tanzania you know specifically to fly were you just kind of figuring it out on the go i haven't heard of much flying in tanzania
0: uh no not at all actually so well we had um was with another paragliding instructor and we had a group down in in kenya for two weeks before like christmas new year's we did kenya the wrist belly mm-hmm. with a group and I saw pictures. I don't quite remember if they were by um, uh, Michael Gebert or Felix Wolk or Horacio Jurens. Those guys have been down there and they have been flying in that area, volcanic area. It's close to Ngorongoro National Park.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it just looked so spectacular. You have these perfect shaped volcanoes and looking down into the flats you have all these small craters and it's just it's i i, I knew if, if i'm down there I, I gotta go and see that it's just so stunning such a stunning scenery it's yeah still mm-hmm. i think it's one of yeah most stunning area to fly we talked to, to, a, to a few locals and they actually said we must have gotten well that's actually about five local tanzanian pilots <laughs> Wow. But they said one of them had used to have a, a, a lodge in that area, and he said we must have gotten really lucky because usually it's just super windy there, and we had we had pretty, pretty good, pretty good conditions. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and now since I met you a year ago in, in Brazil, um, well, that this is a good segue into your business. How do you how do you make a paragliding business that you can then sell? And travel the world I I think you're you're quite unique in that respect (laughs) I don't know a lot of people that have made money from paragliding so it's this this sounds like
0: uh, I never have to work again no no yeah you're
1: right I I should yeah you're right you're you're just having fun for a little bit of time I I get that I get that but tell me about your let's let's give give me the short version of your history and and this and this business because you were working with Michael right
0: no 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 i just know michael through andy from fly with andy he's a friend of mine and yeah i don't know michael no it's um i had it with um, um well you know i i i i've been flying 20 21 years and 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 job wise i've done a few things and nothing was actually really satisfying then i had to yeah i sat down and thought well dominic you're you're I don't know, 27 now, 28, it's about time to do something, not just travel, having fun, doing shit jobs to get a bit of money. I really felt, I I wanted to do something, yeah, job-wise. And I knew like office work is all nothing for me. And I sat down, thought, what what's what are the things I'm I'm good at or what I like? And I figured I like being on holidays. <laughs> um, I like flying. <laughs> and I like drinking beer with people. So yeah, conclusion, I, I need to have a paragliding school, right? Perfect, perfect match. <laughs> and you know, Switzerland is full of paragliding schools. There is good schools, bad schools, like like everywhere. Um But, um, looking at the scene, I thought at least what I knew, paragliding schools, there's many good schools, but I lacked a bit of, I thought young, young people, what are you looking for when you look, when you're looking for a hobby? I mean, you know, Switzerland, Switzerland doesn't have any sea. not not even, not even that close, you know, and we have, we have a surfing scene in, in, in Switzerland. People actually call themselves surfers. Hmm. Why is that? Because it's a, terribly sexy scene you know beautiful girls beach and whatever you know it's just I thought a little bit more of that aspect in our scene couldn't do any harm so just give it a bit more of a lifestyle approach make 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 a bit more community more we together doing something really cool in the mountains and it, it's actually pretty sexy as well, mm. well not, not many girls i suppose but, <laughs> but still right. there's always that <laughs> darn it <laughs> i mean you know it's, it's it's an important part in life i suppose yeah. um, and when we started the school we we, we really decided both of us we not known known acro pilots we're not competition pilots we we, we can't make marketing with that but we thought we, we can do community we can create lifestyle and we're pretty good at that and that's what i still think hey of course we would move. We we still were the best paragliding school, of course, but what made made us pretty, yeah, I can say probably pretty successful, we did it, um, was definitely the people just liked to be at our shop and have beers and and, and planning trips with us and bringing their friends to barbecue evenings and and all sorts of things evenings we we created and weekends and and it yeah it started working like that. we didn't even have to do too much marketing anymore people wanted to be part of something and that was really
1: was it in it. was it in zurich where where, where was your we, base
0: we, we, yeah we we are both from zurich so we based our school right in the city um which some people did it before actually we're not the first ones but um That was probably one thing people didn't have to travel somewhere to go to school actually honestly speaking it doesn't make a difference if they drive with us to the mountain or if, if 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 they drive to the mountain and teach there but probably psychologically it made a difference for for people to have a school right where where they live and being able to come to the shop after work and spending some time getting to know us and, and all that and we started in zurich and then uh, we we made a second hop in in lucerne you probably know mm-hmm. lucerne another city in 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 switzerland There's a second hop And yeah, yeah, also in the city. So that's kind
1: of our approach. Was there kind of a, um, did you guys specialize in like, uh, you know, brand new pilots or more guiding for more advanced pilots? Or were you just kind of the whole gambit?
0: Um, We definitely started off um, um, new pilots. I think probably two-thirds of our turnover was um, teaching people and, and, and selling their, them equip, uh, the equipment to them. And with the years we, we did more and more travels and SIVs and cross country camps, um, ground handling camps and just, uh, yeah, the whole, the whole bunch. Uh, yeah.
1: The One of the recent shows we did with Mitch Riley, uh, we, we kind of tag teamed. I, I the, my, my co-interviewer, Nick Hawks asked a question that I'm going to ask you that, cause I thought it was really good. Um, what is a risk that you wish new pilots wouldn't take you know something you see them doing uh you know either over and over again or sometimes that leads to you know that doesn't necessarily lead to an accident but just like ooh you know that kind of cringe thing we all have at at a busy launch like oh god but um but that but it could be psychological it could be gear it could be uh you know just uh, lack of some skill, you know, but but a, but a risk that you, you see n- newer pilots or any pilots take that you wish they wouldn't?
0: Um, one one for sure isn't what we try to explain. People flying in, I guess it depends a little bit where you fly, but in the Alps, I think it's important to have a forgiving wing at the beginning because it can be strong. Even even where we fly in the pre-Alps, it can be strong. In, in, in spring and you just need need a solid wing and there's always the pilots who think they they need to have a, a wing with more performance and just take a very unnecessary risk by by doing that before actually knowing all the 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 things that can happen in the air anyways they change to a wing which is probably a bit too too hot for them that's mm-hmm. Mm. And it's so it's so easy, so easy to to avoid that, you know. It's super easy.
1: Yeah, that's ego, yeah. isn't it? And what about what about a yeah. risk that you you wish you would see more pilots take?
0: Many people could easily fly a bit more ambitiously because they actually have it. They're good pilots, but they 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 are too lazy just to get up early in the morning or get the necessary information or to do further education in terms of SIVs, ground handling camps, cross country camps to actually get them further. It's not exactly a risk, but mm. like a risk, just doing more, pushing themselves a little bit more. It's more, 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 more ambitious, maybe yeah. Yeah. Being, a being, little being more, more aggressive. ambitious with, with all due respect, of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In the right, in the right places. Yeah, no, I, I totally, exactly. I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, I'm going to, I, I skipped over this and i i shouldn't have not not to go back to the dark side of things but i didn't ask you after you broke your back um whenever that was 11 years ago um one of the one of the subjects we've talked a lot about on the show is fear injuries you know like coming back from not just the physical side of it which doesn't sound like it was too bad for you but the mental side was there any kind of leftover ugh, the next time you flew was there any kind of getting over that did you have to do anything specific to Kind of find your groove again. I, hey, I,
0: I, I was actually more scared of I would have that, but it was so clear for me what went wrong because it, it, it was obvious. It was totally one hundred plus percent my, my mistake that this happened. So it actually didn't affect my, 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 my psychological parts. So not a, I would almost say not at all. Actually, hmm, interesting. I, I, so i was able to fly I, I flew you know the first couple of flights maybe a little bit scared but not that much but now that you talk of it i ha- actually had a, a fear injury but way before that must have been about one year into my if you can call it flying career i did exactly the the, the mistake I, I told you about uh, i must have been flying a year and and then I was back in 98 or whatever, you know, there was still a few dodgy gliders out. And I had that high, I got that high performance glider somewhere cheap or almost for free. And then I didn't crash, but like within a week or two weeks, I, could have easily crashed three times you know once in the cento valley I, I wing recovered very close to the ground after doing anything for hundreds of meters then close to Fiesch, a couple of days later i almost fell onto the glacier because my wing went crazy again i, I had no clue what i did and then again third time in, in engelberg same thing i i wing wing recovered and i i, I must have almost touched the, the the treetops after getting out of that, and after those three times, I was really I went back to a school wing and flew that for about one and a half years and I think the only reason i I kept flying was because at that time my whole my whole circle of friends they all flew every every week and we flew and spent time together and i think that was the only reason i actually kept flying otherwise i i, I would have stopped I, I i didn't enjoy flying for for a year at least not at all
1: yeah, hmm. yeah that wrong gear can really bite you oh
0: yeah yeah it can yeah yeah so, very unnecessary
1: yeah, yeah it's an unnecessary risk isn't it um especially these days god the gear is so good um Oh, yeah. so the so the school so you guys did that for how long and then what how did you exit did you sell it to your partner or um
0: yes is yes, um um like we had it well it still exists right? it always sounds like it didn't exist anymore i may may do some 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 marketing here it's actually called parallel.ch and it's perfect great school right
1: <laughs> great yeah we'll put that link up we'll put that link up in the show notes um
0: um yeah we i i was there for about 11 years i think and i sold my 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 half to my my co- partner and yeah he, he didn't really want me to leave because it's quite a bit of workload you have with a uh, for, for for paragliding stand that's quite quite a large large school um, but anyways i knew i i i had to go i just didn't really have that much fun teaching anymore that was one reason and, and I, by the size the, the school developed there was quite a bit of management is too much said you know but organizing a lot of organizing stuff and all that and I did a lot of things which I actually didn't ever wanted to do <laughs> <laughs> mm. and then that was one reason just not really wanting to do the stuff anymore I always liked the, 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 the traveling part and further education and all camps and, and that that's, that I still like that I still like the whole teaching was just the organization and teaching, and then you know i'm i'm I don't have kids, so I don't have kids and don't plan to have any. There's not much need for me just to work to work too much, you know and I constantly you know i'm 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 confronted with. Guys like you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, having having to look at all the adventures you have and all the cool stuff you do, and and I uh, thought so I well no now it's time to to do more serious flying myself, and and I'm uh, I'm forty now, and I knew I want to want to become a, a good kite surfer. I want to become a better pilot. I may want to become a, a bit of an acro pilot as well, and. It's probably easier if I do it now at the age of forty than 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 sixty I can still work with sixty you know but my my bones and all that stuff probably is a bit they work better now you know than within ten or twenty years i'm I'm sure and now, having done this for a year, I'm convinced it's a good choice <laughs>
1: right and so yeah. how are how are you approaching um because they, you know when you I, I've been through kind of what you're, you've done to, to certain respects in respects in different businesses and that kind of thing. You know, you're, you're obviously a very driven person. You've got a good mind for business. You created this, this, uh, this great school. Um, it was successful. Um, you know, I have found in the past when I, you know, we all do that with the hopes of, you know, ending that and going to do what you're doing. But you have to actually also be mindful about doing what you're doing or that can become kind of... Uh, almost like a mouse on a spinning wheel, you know, that, that, that it, it, I don't know. I have found that my, my endless travels have to be, there has to be some reason beyond just fun. Uh, That's just me personally. I'm not trying to project that onto you, but how, how are you approaching, um, how you're traveling right now? Is it, is it pretty just loosey goosey or is it, um, you know, like you said, you're, you're kind of learning, you're stepping into acro learning that, you know, you want to become a better pilot, but are there more missions kind of like Tanzania in the future or, you know, are you more throwing a dart?
0: Um, well, there's probably a couple of questions. In there what is. What you Sorry. Said. I do that all the time. Uh, <laughs> 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 Like, I'm I'm not just hanging around. I, I really tried to 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 train my kite surfing side and my cross country side, my acro side. As I told you before, I may go into a bit of competition flying to to learn more. That's one side. I wanted to have more time for the sports side, but also I thought, why I stopped stopped working at what we did which actually you know from from i knew it back then already when i quit it's 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 a super nice job i may not have something that great ever again but still i could have kept going for for years maybe and Mm -hmm. doing the same and being sort of happy but man the world is so big and there's so many approaches to life so many different ways you can can design your life I I, I just need to see more maybe I, I in the future I want to do even stuff which is does have nothing to do with, with paragliding or kiting it may be something completely different just to I just believe there is more than you know one one sort of life we can live and I I, I, I You know, if if you're from Switzerland not having kids, I always have the chance to to go back and just work. There's absolutely no risk involved actually. There's no risk involved throwing everything there and trying stuff out, which, which I definitely wanna do. And if 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 it if you're not successful or maybe I want to create another business, there's some, well, no, no, not really ideas yet. I don't even want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. You know, you don't have to, I mean, I mean just,
0: stuff start up? honestly, people, there's so many people there. They live in fear of, of, of something bad might happen in the future. If you don't work and save money. And, and I totally disagree. If, if, if you're from, from such a well, lucky, lucky place where, where we are from, like, from switzerland or the states we 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 have money we have we have options um when we we really belong to the lucky few percent on on this planet and Mm. it would be almost sad if we don't don't appreciate the luck we have and and and, and, and risk things try out things and and live the life to to the fullest hmm. which is all fuck self oh sorry my language eh? yeah but, no great. but i mean
1: that's uh, i'm not religious <laughs> but amen brother yeah no totally i i think that that's uh, think
0: that. maybe you know we we, we could do something uh, with a bit of more meaning as you said as well I may not be quite ready yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you you know you can take your time. Like uh, Joseph Campbell said, he uh-huh. never met an interesting forty-year-old that did, that had some. That wait, how does it go? Uh, <laughs> the most interesting forty-year-olds I've ever met had no idea what they wanted to do with their lives. You know, and I that that's a great one <laughs> because it's say? like you <laughs> know forty
0: years old.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you just turned forty, so you've got plenty of time. I, I, I do.
0: It. 40, I still don't have a clue what
1: I want to do. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Joseph Campbell would love you. And he was a very smart man. So, uh, fantastic. Hey, uh, okay. Again, I'm, I'm kind of all over the map here, but I'm just smiling, digging this, um, in your, in your years of running that school. um, Because you you said something when you created it, you know, even in Switzerland, which we all kind of view as, you know, it's got the API system and it's just much more regulated and strict. And I think of Swiss schools as being very good. But you and I both know that schools around the world, there are good and there are bad, just like you pointed out. And it really depends a Mm -hmm. lot on who's teaching um, and not so much the system that you go through, whether it's Ushba or Appy or whatever. Um, What would you say to the students? Because we we have a lot of people that listen to the show that are, you know, very new and that are very much in need (laughs) of uh, still going to a school or maybe they haven't even flown yet and they're trying to find a school. How how do you find a good school? Uh, You know, how do you go about, you know, finding you guys versus the guys down the street that maybe aren't doing as good a job?
0: There, mm. there they, they should—I know there should be an easy way—but I think it's not even that easy because with—I would have said you, you know, ask, ask people, you know, who fly. They should. Gave you a feedback on 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 the school they were at, but sometimes that's not even true. You know, if you have a shit school and you're a nice guy, I'm sure your students find your school top and you're the best instructor just because you're a nice guy. That works actually. That works with doctors. That works with any any profession. Sure. So yeah. that may not even be the perfect approach. You know, people may say that's a good school, and it's it's not even the case. And I, I really in Switzerland, I know schools they're really good, but 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 the teacher is just a bit of a Prick and people don't like him, and therefore people think it's a shit school. It's not actually. It's just prick of an instructor, but he 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 has has maybe a good approach and teaches you really really good way of flying. So that may not even be the perfect approach. So well, I wouldn't even know. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't know. It's not so easy, but I guess it's still the best. Asking as many people as as you can find on on a feedback on 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 the school they they were at. Yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: where should people so imagine the kind of 200 300 maybe even 400 hour pilot you know maybe just getting into what we commonly call on the show intermediate, intermediate syndrome um you know so they're they're getting pretty good at their home site you know they're understanding how to fly in thermals they're doing you know they're doing some XCs they're having some success they're excited maybe they're stepping up to a C wing or something Where, where do you like to see those people focus most? Is it, you know, is it, is it SIV? Is it training? Where do you like to, you know, where do you point those people? What direction do you point those people? Because that's a dangerous part. And in my mind, that's kind of the most dangerous uh, place that people get in this Mm -hmm, sport.
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Just beyond Um... ignorance. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and education-wise, I really think but that's been in your show many times before, and I mostly agree. I think you can't do enough ground handling. It doesn't cost you anything. You can do it anywhere with a little bit of wind, and just playing with your wing as, as much as, as, as you can just gives you so much more safety at takeoff, in flight, uh, and all that. I think that's – yeah, that's, any, anyone can do that. Um, SIVs, I think – Yep, absolutely good approach. And it's been in, on your show as well before to really master the difficult maneuvers. Uh, you've been talking a lot about stalls. And I think to really pull a stall in real conditions, you need to practice it a lot, man. I think you really need to practice it a lot. I think that's not maybe not even the most important fact about an SIV. I think SIV, the first one should be more getting to know your glider, getting confident with your glider. Maybe if you don't fly a top knot, uh, a really high-performance glider uh, getting to know that many times it's pretty good if you just let it do its thing instead of overreacting i'm not talking about c plus gliders you know um and which what is really important and i really saw that with with myself is just the fact of having pulled that reserve once knowing what's 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 happening when you pull the reserve? It's obviously not a difficult thing to do, but it really, even me, it changed my 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 mindset to <laughs> towards that rescue so much. You know, you've you've seen it once, you're terribly nervous before you pull that reserve the first time over a lake. You know, life vests, life rescue boat, and everything completely safe, but you're nervous. Mm. That's exactly what's so important about doing that once, just to. The second time when you may need it actually, not being nervous, being confident that thing works, I pull it, and I'm most likely likely safe. That's super important to do that, I think. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Um then flying wise, what what, what can you do to, to stay safe? Uh, I think if if you can, it's it's really good if you can surround yourself with with pilots who are better than yourself have more experience and go fly with them and and have them give you as much advice as possible because every flying day is different every, conditions are always different you know flying in fierce i'm just saying fierce because it's a known place flying in fierce can be super easy but it can be super difficult at uh, a day after you know it depends so much on conditions and everything and that's just so much experience flying flying in uh, a paraglider is just and, and judging conditions has so much to do with with experience so the bad thing you can do is just go with people who have much more experience than than yourself
1: yeah that's what i was thinking when when i asked you about the risk that um i wish or you wish pilots would take that that was where i felt like you know we, we often talk about like where you have maybe a breakthrough or you have a like an aha moment, the light bulb goes off. For me, it was with travel. You know, when I, when I really started uh, flying a lot of different places, um, just you, you may not even feel like you're getting that much better, but you really are, you know, when you break away from your home site and you start flying it, you know, and in the Alps, there's so many sites that maybe people there just do it naturally, you know, you, you, you follow the weather, but um, you know, I th- I think that that's a big one. That that's a risk that I wish more people would take is just is going and flying new places. Um because you're you're the air density is different, the weather's different, how you get the weather is different, you know, the the community's different. Um and you know, so you're you're automatically by being challenged by all these little things that you may not even register. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Absolutely. I think that yeah, that's that's you know if you have the time and you have the the funds to do it that that's one that I would would I wish more people did. I don't mean a lot of people do, but I think that's a good one. You know this this migration yeah. to Colombia and Mexico and Brazil and stuff in the winter for all the northern hemisphere pilots is is great to see. <laughs> you know I think that that's really good.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. So what's when you uh, when you kind of look out give me your kind of one year uh you know what where where do you see yourself in a year if you see yourself anywhere or is it just kind of just <laughs> day by day right it sounds like it's kind of day by day
0: i'm um, sort of day by day um you know actually i thought a year ago i thought after a year i'm probably bored and i'm uh, i'm starting to look for something to do and now it's a year later, and I'm not bored at all. And there's so so much still to learn. So my, my yeah, I've got a bit of a plan. Um, I'll head to 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 Brazil now, and I'll do I'll go up to the Northeast again where we met Nakisha Dab. Going with the winch, mm. where the you know the Swiss Swiss League has done awesome flights last year yeah. on, on the winch in, in, in Brazil, which just gives you this extra, I'd say hour one and a half hours in the morning. Since you don't have those, um, you know, those hills in the back of Gishada takeoff where you don't want to end up because you're bombing out mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in those winds. Yeah, that's probably the way You to just do don't have on the winds. You, you go early, you just hang on to a cloud and, and, and you can just take off earlier, right? and that's what i want to do and once over in in brazil it's just same you, you know if you're a kite surfer up there it's just kite surf heaven you've got a huge coast with perfect winds every day i, I want to do uh a long downwind run on my own basically just me my, my my kite gear maybe two pants and two shirts and the repair kit pump and just go down the coast and you know like a place stay a couple of. They stay there, kite, continue down the, down the coast and explore the, just the, the coast in, in Brazil by myself. I want to do that. Um, afterwards, I may go to Mexico and then go to the Monarca and see if I like competition flying or not. Uh, I'll be kiting with my girlfriend in, in Mexico, probably in Yucatan or Baja California. Yeah next year most likely focus if I like it on on a bit of competition flying and i want to further improve my poor acro skills. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I may go to El Hierro you know the the Canary Islands sure. in in March which is a uh yeah an old place to to do that and hope to uh, it's cool I, I i liked it i didn't know i liked it so much but it it's just it makes it, it makes such a difference. Just doing so many stalls and improving your your. I just noticed it after, in for 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 me flying twenty years after Orgeanyans flying in in central Spain cross country. I, I I I was not even close to to being scared a single time and flying for in pretty strong conditions and, as people said, also quite rough conditions at times. I I just didn't affect me at all after six weeks of. Acro flying pff, was just old peanuts, you know. <laughs> that's just that effect alone is is great.
1: Yeah, I think I think is these guys. We start to see these guys like Pal Tackets and and Theo, and you know these guys crossing oh, over into cross country. <laughs> you know, they're just they're yeah. so. They they're they're so competent under a wing that oh, yeah, uh, those, yeah. they're they're really a threat <laughs> to to uh, you That's know us lazier cross country pilots.
0: manual or wing is, is is no question to them. They exactly. can put one hundred percent of 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 focus on tactics and strategy and the wing. You know, it's just it'll fly for sure. You know, exactly. they don't have to
1: focus on that. exactly, <laughs> and they're never worried about that. And I I think no. that. Uh, yeah, I'm almost you know I I used to say that you know flying XC without doing regular SIV was just asking for trouble, you know. And now I I really think that we should step it up and and that should just become part of, you know, uh, Every pilot's lexicon. You don't have to be pal Tackets or Theo. In fact, most people are will never even get close, including myself. But, you know, I, I just did it I just spent a week over the lake here up in Oregon doing a bunch of acro training. And it's just like you said, it's such a massive confidence boost. It just helps oh, so yeah. much. You just don't think about, you know, the little stuff that would make you nervous and make your heart rate go up goes away. And then you you can let your yeah. subconscious do all the work and it's just it's such a massive safety factor I think
0: yeah yeah so
1: how's your acro career going <laughs> well it'll never be for number one it's not a career <laughs> it'll it, it never will be but um uh, you know what i just actually a little little plug here but um i was on the new Nivik e gravity so i've been hearing from you know andre prashaska all the guys all the acro you know jedis that i've had on the show they all say the same thing you do not want to learn acro on a you know on a freestyle or an acro wing you know learn it on a B. Yeah, I agree yeah 100%. and uh, and so i I've been on the F Gravity, which is a terrific freestyle wing, but I've been on that since 2012. I did an acro clinic with Jockey. Out in Olu Dennis. it was one of his SIV clinics, but he brought in a guy to teach me acro, Johan, uh, and and that yeah. was that was great. But it was it was interesting actually. That week, the first day, he said, he, "You know, hey, what do you want to learn? You know, wh- where are you?" And I was like, "Well, I'm super comfortable with with stalls and deep stalls and sat, and but you know, I'd love to learn helis." And he's like, "No yeah. chance. We're not even going to try." And I was like, "Wait, why? I want to <laughs> learn helis because he's like, we got a week. You're going to be so disappointed. You're going to be yeah. so discouraged. You might get a couple just because of dumb luck." but he's like there's no way you're going to nail deep stall and start hellying in a week like let's do dynamic stuff and so so we did and so but i have been struggling you know to to get heli now for years a because i I do it like one week a year, you know, so I don't, I, I don't live in a place yeah, where yeah, I can yeah. practice acro, but also because I was on the F gravity, yeah. it's just way too bitey. Yeah. You know, I was constantly getting yeah, spun absolutely. up and twisted and yeah. cravatted and it's just too spicy. And, uh, so Nivik, you know, and, and a bunch of manufacturers are doing it gradient ozone. They're all, they're all making these kind of learning acro wings. And so they just released this E gravity. So I was on that and God, dude, it was so nice. It was just mellow, you cannot screw up stalls. Uh, You just can't. I I never had a cravat. I never twisted up. Um, Was I nailing helis? Absolutely not. But, you know, it's just got a much wider range for screwing up. You know, you can just you can sit in deep stall way more comfortably. But it's not, you know, it, it still has the thick lines and it's still got longer lines, so it still has more energy. So it's not like learning it on a B. It's it's a B wing, it's certified as a B, but it was um it was delicious, man. It was it was really super fun. You know, like you'd hit the beach and be psyched for the next run, not trembling you know which half the time before i was kind of trembling i was like fuck what did i just do wrong you know uh the Uh, the glider was always one step ahead whereas this time it was like i was ahead of the glider which was really nice that was it was just comfortable yeah
0: yeah some some of these freestyle gliders i think they're great for most dynamic things but talking about the f gravity that that wing actually is at the two i think it was actually scared me it, it it made me um not go acro for quite a while because i i, I try deep souls and helis every time heli exit i jumped after the wing and since it's got pretty long break break range oh i i just felt so scared now now i would say if if someone would ask me to recommend an approach i don't know that e-gravity the, the e- that kind of wings i would have said just take one of the easy There's easier and bite your acro wings just take an easy one i'm not gonna mention brands now but an easy acro wing just in a rather big size and Mm -hmm. and you've got a very safe and good approach i'd say because you still have short break range but it's not so bitey and it just works They, they they just work nowadays and yeah
1: yeah, yeah, and exactly. I think
0: if you really want to learn acro, you just really gotta take your time otherwise Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, you really you really do. You really have to take your time. You. You need
0: time. you need time.
1: And have yeah. the respect for the technical stuff. Like the you know, the like you said, the dynamic stuff on the F gravity was, was so fun, but it man, you pay for mistakes. You know, you just it's yeah. so easy to go <laughs> into that wing or loop through the lines or you know, when it jumps, it wants to jump and it because it's a freestyle wing. That's what they're built to do. And yeah. so yeah, built yeah, to fly. really Tough to build. I spent, I, I wasted a lot of time actually uh, trying to learn that on, on that wing, and it's so it's, you know, and um, my, my acro partner here had been saying that the last couple of years. He's like, dude, just get a low B. It'd be so much easier, and, and that was, that was yeah. genius. That, that's been really nice. So dominique thanks man I, I i really appreciate it uh this has just been a total blast uh and to catch up with you i'm kind of I'm kind of jealous that you're going down to toe in brazil I, i'd like to jump on that that was it's <laughs> a pretty special place and the, you're right those guys uh, that's the way to do it there you just get you get a couple more couple hundred kilometers more runway and uh you yeah, you can just go yeah. so big so I, I hope that goes really well for you i'll be watching you on on yeah. the XE find and yeah, right. uh, but, yeah. but thanks, thanks for your time, yeah. man, and I'll will uh, enjoy your time there in Tarifa kite surfing.
0: Yeah, thank you, thanks for having me on the show, and um, yeah, hopefully I I hope to get over to to the states at some point in my life as well. May 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 catch you in the air there.
1: Oh, you'd, you'd love it, man. We we big air and <laughs> big high base, and yeah, uh, oh, you'd dig it. I'd I'd love to have you over here and show you around. It's a pretty special place.
0: Cool. Well,
1: thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Dominique. Talk talk soon. Bye. Thank
0: you. Catch you later.
1: Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that. What a cool conversation with a very good dude. That was a lot of fun. I hope you got something out of that. As always, all we ask for is a buck a show. Uh, this is a listener-supported podcast, and uh, I've gone into this in the past, why we do it that way instead of using sponsors. I hate sponsors, uh, and I not my personal sponsors, but sponsoring uh, podcasts like this, you know, uh, I just don't like listening to all that goofy stuff in the beginning, and I fear that I, I fear that if we do that, then you're you're wondering if I'm trying to sell mattresses. How authentic these conversations are? So, we're skipping all that and just relying on you. Uh, and if you can't do it financially, totally understand that. And uh, but there are many other ways you can support it. You can share it with your friends. You can blog about it. You can put it up on the social medias. You can talk about it on the way up to launch. So most of all, I just want to make sure that you're getting something out of it and so if it's something you are uh, let us know and help uh, support us and you can find the links to do that on mayhem.com and uh, you can just reach out and let me know if you've got a suggestion for somebody you want on the show or a topic that we haven't been covering I'll also reach out in that way uh, We'll try to be really flexible with that so yeah thanks for uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one cheers <laughs>